0: All you Swifties, just start shedding your tears now, because this is not a pretty picture. This is Lana Lee Wilkins with Upstreamers Podcast. I try to challenge moms, Christian moms, to respond instead of react to what's going on in our families, what's going on in our culture and whatnot. There's just a lot of things bombarding our lives. And so I want to come in and just encourage you, challenge you to not see the world through your own opinions, through your own thoughts, through your own difficulties, through the emotions of your children and what have you. I want you to see your life, see your world through the lens of scripture. I'm not here to exposit the word for anyone, but I do want to point to God's word to encourage and challenge you to respond rather than react. It's just really easy to be a knee-jerk mom. And if you want to get away from being a knee-jerk mom, please go check out my book, Knee-Jerk Mom. I would know I am a knee jerk mom. I wave in and out of that. It's like a pendulum, you know, like Christ keeps bringing me back out of my knee jerk momness and is continually um, challenging me to move upstream, to go away from what is the norm in culture. We do not live in a Christian culture. I don't know who thinks that anymore, but it is entirely secular or if not, like, moving heavily in the secular direction. Yes, there are lots of, quote, conservatives around, but they are not biblicists. They are not biblical conservative Christians. They're just conservative. I mean, you can say LDS is conservative, Jehovah's Witness is conservative. There's a whole host of Trumpies that, like, and I say that lovingly, that, you know, vote for conservative-type values, but they're still okay with murdering babies under six weeks because you know, like, who really knows, like, when conception begins? Like, they're just willing to do atrocious things as long as they've got a mostly conservative bent. Okay, so there's a huge spectrum, as with many things, in what you would call conservative. I mean, my goodness, Dave Rubin is considered conservative, and he's homosexual. So there are lots of people who are conservative, but conservative does not equal Christian. And I have a whole podcast about that. So just go back in the files and find it because it's just so sad. Jordan Peterson, another great example. He is a great mind, such an intellectual thinker, and I have gleaned some wisdom from him. There are things he said that are valuable. So, but he is not a Christian, okay? No matter what he calls himself. And that brings us to the topic of Taylor Swift, also not a Christian. Does that shock you? It would shock her because she considers herself a Christian. So how do I know? How are all these people that are claiming Christianity not aware that they're not Christians? Well, that's why I'm connecting this with Awakened Church. Not because they specifically are teaching Taylor Swift that she's a Christian, but churches like this. This is like an archetype, if you will. Taylor Swift is the archetype of people in the industry, the music industry, the movie industry, um, popular culture, who think they're Christians. You know, why do you think Michael W. Smith wrote that song, Cross of Gold? Tell me why you wear your cross of gold. It's just a state of mind, but does it find a way into your soul? And that's the lyric. So, I mean, I just busted that out because, you know, my 12-year-old self I still likes that song as does my current teenager. So that's a win, right? He still thinks Michael W. Smith is cool because he is, right? I mean, although I think he has kind of embraced, as I hear, this is hearsay, I can't quote him as saying this, but I've heard that he is leaning toward accepting translations like the Passion Translation, which if you're not aware is not a legit translation, look it up. You can figure this out. You are a Berean. Back to the topic of Taylor Swift. Think of her as an archetype of popular culture and think of Awakened Church as an archetype of a very popular, um, quote, evangelical, and I say quote, meaning they think they are evangelical Christian church. Okay, so let's get down to business. What are the specific things that I've seen in Taylor Swift, for example? that lead me to think that one, she's not a Christian, and two, you should not let your children mindlessly listen to her music ad nauseum because you will get sick of her. She is really an amazing, talented woman, but her words will seep down into your soul, and they don't produce fruitfulness, okay? So let's just start with some of the lyrics from some of her most popular songs. Just to like hit the thing off. And all the also, there's video footage of her claiming to be a Christian. So I'm not just like, oh, she thinks she's a Christian because she wears a cross or because she, you know, someone said she grew up in the church on Wikipedia or something like that. No, these are her words. I am a Christian. So why do I not believe she's a Christian? And why does that even matter? She's had boyfriend after boyfriend. Uh, she has lived with them. She detests the idea of marriage. Taylor Swift is a sexually promiscuous woman, but she gets away with it because she's popular and kind of has the little girl persona, the innocent little girl's persona who happens to wear, you know, next to nothing in her concerts and does uh, kind of ritualistic, strange, satanic-looking rituals. Um, There are videos, again, all over YouTube. Okay, this one's called Karma. It's one of her most popular songs right now. I can't really say all of the lyrics because there's cussing in it and i just this is okay so she takes god's name in vain number one christians don't do that here's the chorus and i can't say it all because karma is my boyfriend karma is a god karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend karma's a relaxing thought aren't you envious that for you it's not sweet like honey karma is a cat purring in my lap because it loves me flexing like a mm -hmm, acrobat, me and karma vibe like that. Karma is my boyfriend. Well, what's karma? Okay, so karma is a Hindu idea. It's this system where good things and beneficial things get to you because of past beneficial and good things that you have done in the past. So, or harmful things, I would say. So There's this system of action and reaction through what you do. And if you do good things, then those beneficial and good things happen to you in the future. If you do bad things, then they come back around. And it's just what goes around comes around, that kind of anecdote or that kind of idiom. Because, you know, they believe in reincarnation. So it's just this balancing act of good perpetuating more good and bad, perpetuating more bad. And so the idea is, if you want to escalate up this ladder of um, goodness and becoming a better and better version of yourself as you're reincarnated, then you would want to do good things because you want good things to happen to you in the future. You know, it's a completely selfish system, but there are four ways that karma is produced in our life, according to Hinduism. Number one, through our thoughts Number two, through right attitudes and words. Number three, through actions that we perform ourselves. And number four, get this, through actions that other people perform under our instructions. So everything you think, say, or do, or that others think, say, or do because of what you told them. And there's variations that they have in there, I won't get into that it, when I was reading about it, I'll actually just link an article, um, to give you further research if you're curious about more of those ins and outs of Hinduism. But, um, I feel like that's enough to say about karma. So if you watch the video, which I don't recommend, there's like this dualistic thing going on where there's one person on one side who's this innocent, like, little schoolgirl on this yellow brick road like she's perfect she's doing all the right things and all the most wonderful things are happening to her and then over there is a bad person all the things they do are bad and then of course comes the chorus she uses karma as like a way to evoke revenge and to shame someone else which is really ironic isn't it um karma is the thunder rattling your ground, karma on your scent, like the bounty hunter, bounty hunter, someone who's coming to assassinate you, right? Karma is going to track you down step by step from town to town, sweet like justice. Karma is a queen. Karma takes all my friends to the summit. Karma is the guy on the screen coming straight home to me. She is in a way bragging about how karma loves her and hates this other person and they deserve it and it's coming to get you and you're going to get yours and you know, that's what you get, like kind of attitude, which is anti-Christian, obviously, because it's a revengeful, shaming kind of language. You deserve this. That's what you get. I mean, is that how Christ views our sin? Of course not. He hates sin, but he doesn't view us as hopeless. When he chooses to save someone, that person isn't like, well, you know, that's what you get. I mean, you sinned, I'm just, I'm ready to put you in hell because that's what you get. Now we do deserve hell, but he's merciful. He pulls us up out of the mire and sets our feet upon the rock. He puts a song in our mouth, Psalm 40. There's just such beauty to the way that God sees a sinner. Let's go to another song. Just to say this real quick, several friends of my kids listen and love Taylor Swift. Slightly near obsession. I love these other kids, so I'm not going to like rat them out they know who they are and they don't care about my podcast. But point is, lots of young people in the church really like Taylor Swift. Oh, she's got good old songs. Her old songs are great. Well, they're kind of about, you know, romance, like teeny bopper, high school romance stuff and like little breakup songs. But they're still not biblical. And, and again, we'll get to the like, what songs can we listen to part. But I just want to say like, when you think of Taylor Swift, don't think that your kids aren't listening to her. Like, don't be a fool. They are. They're either listening to it in your home, in their phone, on some device, at camp, with a friend. They're hearing her. Go to the roller rink. Do kids do that anymore? Go to the bowling alley. Go to throw axes. What do kids do these days, right? They hear it. At the pool, I mean, our neighborhood pool blasts some music that I may just have to talk to the, the front desk about because there's cussing in it. And I'm like, dude, my kids are swimming in this pool and they're you know I've got little kids four years old and up and I don't want them to hear Katy Perry talking about how she kissed a girl and she liked it like come on it's driving me nuts so yeah obviously I gotta go have a loving and general and gentle conversation with the staff but because I pay money for that pool and that music and the staff and blah 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 I don't own them but I sure have a stake and I think I should have a say so you can pray for me about that conversation okay Okay, real quick, I will go ahead and mention that um, the song Bad Blood is a similar theme. It's all about revenge. You know, don't cross me, you know, uh, band-aids, don't fix bullet holes. So like whatever someone did to her deeply wounded her, and I don't doubt that. But what does Christianity say? It says to forgive. And I know as well as anyone and as well as any of you, it's hard to forgive. Well, we don't do it on our own abilities. You know, we depend on Christ. We depend on remembering how he's forgiven us for so much. And there's no way we could possibly forgive without first remembering how we've been forgiven. And what we were forgiven for deserved hell. So we can extend forgiveness for a betrayal, for a disappointment, for a wrong suffered. So just that theme continues where she's got this kind of revenge mentality in her songs. And when we have revenge on our minds, you know, does God say, yeah, you know, what you should do is dress in s clothing and go grab a bunch of your sexy girlfriends and prance around making sure that you are walking like you're on a catwalk and grab a bunch of illegal weapons, pack a bunch of machine guns and bazookas and grenades and whatever you can find, you know, just pack that heat and then walk around with scowly looks on your face and stand off and start punching and kicking and making sure that you beat up all your enemies. That's what God says to do, right? No, he says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. So the whole video is just working out a teenage girl's fantasy of how she could really get back at someone who's angered her. Okay, let's take uh, one from a while ago, because I always hear, oh, but her older stuff is good, right? So let's take one from a while ago called I Knew You Were Trouble. It came out in 2012 with Big Machine Records. And so what does it talk about? Um, It depicts her uh, talking about, in the video anyway, a guy that she knew he was trouble when he walked in. So shame on me. You know, she's like, oh, I was so bad. I can't believe I, like, went with him anyway. But she was having a blast doing all kinds of illegal and bad things with him. And she knew he was trouble whenever he walked in, but she went with him anyway. So kind of like her desire to do um, or someone's desire to do bad things, even though they know they're bad in advance. And so we've all felt that, like, that temptation to do bad things but then as a christian there's something called conviction and you don't feel the joy of um those things and she's experiencing quite a bit of enjoyment and then also pain so this song is interesting because it does show some of both so let me just say some of the lyrics though before we get any further The best line from this song is, how can the devil be pulling you towards someone who looks so much like an angel when he smiles at you? So I'm not even going to get into that because you ladies are smart. You're smart. You know that the devil, Satan, was an angel. How could the devil be pulling you towards someone who looks so much like an angel when he smiles at you? Because the Satan's an angel, <laughs> like he used to be an angel. He's the most beautiful angel. Lucifer in scripture is described as being the most beautiful angel. So of course, like temptation looks shiny. It looks fun. It looks like dangerously wonderful. It looks like this risky, alluring thing. And yeah, we know trouble when we see it. But the Christian is called to resist the devil and he will flee, not to jump in with both feet because of how you feel. She talks about her feelings a lot and how she's like, oh, I'm just worried I'm never going to feel this way again, ever again because he's left me and I don't know if I ever should. It's all centered on, you know, the world's biggest asset right now, which is happiness. What makes you happy determines the highest level of value, which as Christians we know is Not the most important thing. One of the other interesting quotes from this movie is, or it looks like a movie in the video, that's why I say that. It's like this epic, you know, story that starts in the future and flashes back and goes back and catches up with itself. But in this song is that the worst part of this whole situation that she found herself in isn't that she lost this guy who she supposedly loved or whatever but that she lost herself. And there we get to the other most valuable thing, how you feel about yourself. So being happy, one of the highest values, if not the highest value in our culture today, and then next to it, if not as, if not as high, maybe a little higher, how you feel about yourself. She wasn't that concerned about her relationship, about her purity, about you know her faithfulness, And you hear that from divorced people, you know, uh, celebrities will get divorced and like, I just didn't like who I was when I was with them. I actually watched a movie the other day. It was like an old movie from the (laughs) eighties, the eighties. So old, right? That's like 30, 40 years ago. Oh my gosh, I'm getting older. So it's called the accidental tourist. I don't recommend seeing it. William Hurt, Gina Davis, and some other lady I recognized, but anyway, Uh, It was about divorce, and it was super sad and depressing, but I was sick and in bed, and I was bored, so someone recommended I see it, so I watched it. And there was this one line where the main protagonist, which he was really hard to root for, to be honest, but the main protagonist said, you know, it's not about love. It's not about loving them, or it's not about love. It's about how you feel about yourself when you're with them, or it's about who you are when you're with them. So the idea is if you don't like who you are when you're with someone, you're not the one who needs to change, right? I mean, but you don't like who you are when you're with someone, that person needs to go. You need to get someone new in your life that makes you like you. Do you hear how twisted that is? Like how twisted that is from what Christianity talks about with marriage and love and laying your life down for one another. Um, You know, the man is to lay his life down for his wife out of love the way Christ laid himself down for the church. And the woman is supposed to subject herself willingly to voluntarily respect and submit to her husband in everything not just look for someone who makes her feel good about herself. I mean, my gosh, if that's the value, no wonder people are getting divorced all over the place. I mean, now it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Why marriage isn't working, quote, working in in this world. Marriage isn't working because their expectations are way off. You know, the biblical view of marriage is sacrifice and submission. It's not what makes me happy and what makes me feel good about myself. And you literally will never find anybody who will, for the long haul of your entire life, make you happy and make you feel great about yourself all the time. Like, that's impossible. I don't even make myself happy or make myself feel like I'm, you know, that I like myself all the time. Like, when I'm by myself. So, that whole Miley Cyrus flower song, like, You know, I can buy myself flowers. I talked about that song in another podcast. Go listen to that. But that idea is even preposterous because we get sick of ourselves, don't we? Because as Christians, we hate sin in a growing awareness, just like God hates sin. We grow in our hatred of sin as we grow in Christ. And so with this song, I Knew You Were Trouble, it just has that icky... Worldview of whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel like your authentic self, and whatever makes you uh, be the best version of yourself. Well, you know, nobody's going to do that. So, of course, in that sense, it makes sense why no one stays together hardly anymore. It is work, marriage is hard work, but we can only truly do it in the sacrificial and in the submitting way. It's like if you say scripture over and over, what happens? You're meditating on God's word. If you say song lyrics over and over, what are you doing? You're meditating on what they say. And are her songs, are Taylor Swift songs, the kind of lyrics that you want to be meditating on, that you want your kids to be meditating on? Call it what it is. I mean, we're the parents. We decide what music our kids listen to. You do. You have teenagers. You don't have to be this you know come down hard authoritarian parent but you are the authority and you're stewarding God's children really we're stewarding these kids for a short time and i don't want to waste my time you know they don't have to like me i want i want them to like me but they don't have to like me and if it comes down to doing the right thing before God's eyes and my kids liking me i'm going to pick God Hopefully, I don't have to pick, right? I mean, I'm trying to raise my children to uh, be loving and obey Him. So, hopefully, they'll be respectful and loving to their parents and um, obey me at the same time. Uh, But, you know, nobody's perfect. My children aren't perfect. But I am establishing with my kids that uh, it's important what we listen to. And it's important what singers and songwriters stand for. So, let me get to Awaken Church and then I'll talk about, well, what can we listen to? I mean, because. We look at the music industry and it's like, and my son even said it the other day, like everybody's got problems. Everybody's got, you know, seemingly terrible personal lives. So who can we listen to? You know, it can't be all off the table. And I totally agree. So we'll talk about that in a sec. Actually, I think I'm going to make that an entirely new episode because I realize we're running short on time at this point. So, um, I'm going to make Awaken Church and I'm going to make um, what can we listen to, what do we approve of in our home, just to give you some ideas as you are searching the world of music, because it is a big world. I mean, there's way more than what's on the radio, and I know that most of you have either phones for your kids, or you have apps that you let them listen on, you know, Spotify, or Apple Music, or whatever it is that you let your kids have access to, and so let's just talk about what we do in our home, not because it's the way or because it's perfection or something, but just to give you an idea of some of the practical sides of what do we allow. And then how do we keep tabs on it? Not in a sneaky way, but like my kids know, like I go through their playlists, And so we'll talk about what that process looks like. I just want to be really frank and vulnerable with you. And so I know this is probably really hard for some of you who would call yourself Swifties. I really hope that you will take a second look. If you already know you don't love Taylor Swift, I I hope you pray for her because she needs Christ. She thinks she's a Christian, but she's not. And in some ways that's even harder for people that already believe that they're on the path to, to heaven whenever really they're being deceived. They are on the broad path that leads to destruction. And so I pray for Taylor Swift, God, that you would touch her heart through your word, that you convict her of sin, bring her to repentance so that she can use her power and influence that Satan has given her, that you would twist that around and she would be a strong evangelist for you, that her words would be full of truth and power that is led by the Holy Spirit. And as always, I pray for you ladies. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six. she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. I pray that for all of you as you are Growing closer to Christ. So keep swimming upstream, ladies. You've got this.